today, uh, we're going to keep on moving forward. Love can forgive. You know, if we are really going to open up a big old can of love on our community, on our world, then um, we've got to learn how to forgive. You know, if we are going to be a part of a love revolution, if, the, if people in our community are going to know that that's the mark of coastal, that we are a loving group of people, then, then love um, is so much more than just an emotion. It is a choice, uh, it is patience, and it is forgiveness. How many of you at least can rec- you recognize uh, the Lord's Prayer when you hear it? You've heard the Lord's Prayer. Raise your hand. Any of, any, okay, we've pretty much, most of you, I mean, if you didn't grow up in church, you've probably heard this before. Well, we're going to read it out loud together. We're going to put it up on the screen. So let's, uh, first service, I scolded them right as they got started, and then I, we, then I told them that I had shamed them the rest of the services and told, told you how terrible they did, but then they recovered. They did a great job. So, okay, so today you need to do a good job too. Here we go, let's read this together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now, um, did you catch that phrase right there in the middle? We don't use this language a lot today. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. More modern translations say, and forgive us our what? Sin or trespass, that's even older, but forgive us our sins um, just as we forgive those who sin against us. Now, you know, by the way, when Jesus said this, um, this, he never said, hey, this is what you should pray. He was actually teaching his disciples, his followers, uh, how to pray, and he was kind of giving them an example of kind of showing them how to pray, not, not hey, repeat this forever for the next 2,000 years. Okay, he was just showing them. And so then if that weren't enough to kind of reemphasize a part of what he had just said and to really say, okay, hey, this is important. Don't miss this. This is this is big. He goes on to say the next two verses, if you forgive those who sin against you, your father in heaven will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others. Your father will what? Not forgive your sins. Oh my goodness. I mean, that just got, wham. I mean, he just, he just ratcheted that up like a whole bunch of notches, didn't he? I mean, this just got big. This is big stuff. I mean, you know, it's one thing, you know, to ask God to forgive us. But all of a sudden, Jesus says, okay, that's not enough. Don't, don't miss this. Your forgiveness from God is eternally forever linked to your ability and your willingness to forgive the people in your life. Wow. That's big stuff, isn't it? And and that's hard, isn't it? You know, I think one of the reasons why uh, it's so hard to forgive people is... I think, I think we have a real misunderstanding of what forgiveness is really all about, what it is, what it's not, what forgiving people means. So before we jump into how we forgive, I want to talk about for a moment what forgiveness is not, okay? 
Because I think this is where some of you, where we, where we get this messed up. Number one, forgiving others is not justifying their actions. Now, if you have been hurt in the past, if you have been harmed, you know, you do not, to forgive somebody, have to justify their behavior. You don't have to excuse their behavior. You don't have to say things like, well, you know, they really didn't know what they were doing, and, and uh, you know, uh, my dad was drinking a lot, or, you know, my mom was under a lot of stress, or, you know, I really don't think she meant it that way. I really don't think he meant it that way. Forgiveness is not having to make excuses for people, okay? Number two, forgiveness is not trusting the passage of time. Now, how many of you have ever heard or used this phrase, time heals what? Okay, what in the world are you thinking? <laughs> Seriously? I mean, what world do you live in? I mean, the passage of time does not necessarily make things better. I mean, I know people, and I bet you know people too, because we might be in this very room together. You know, remember we, we kind of, we, we talked last week from 1 Corinthians 13, and we actually used that on Easter Sunday as well. Uh, part of that says love keeps no record of wrongs. How many of you know people got a tally sheet? You know, a whole, have held on to something for like 20 or 30 years, and time has done nothing to heal their pain. In fact, some people don't get better, they get bitter. It doesn't, time doesn't necessarily make things better. Sometimes they get worse. Number three, forgiving others is not denying that you have been hurt. You know, it, forgiving others doesn't mean you've got to get to that point where you just say, oh, it didn't really matter. It wasn't that big of a deal. You know, guys... Guys are great at this, by the way, because, you know, guys love to deny. We're, we're tough. We're rugged. You know, we, we've like been, you know, we, we've got to do that. We, oh, I didn't hear, I didn't hurt, you know, feel a thing. It didn't hurt. Nobody can hurt me. Okay? You know, unforgiveness. By, by the way, a lot of times for men, when you see a man who's got a short fuse in their life, and they're quick to get angry, typically that's just a sign, a warning light, that they've got some unforgiveness in their life, in their past. They've been holding on to it. But anyway, unforgiveness, it's almost like a, um, it could be like a little splinter. I mean, at first the splinter is, you know, it's there, and it's a little annoying, and it doesn't seem to be that big of a deal, and you just kind of like, well, it'll, it's okay, it'll go away. Well, what happens if you never get rid of that splinter? What can happen? I mean, it can get infected, and all of a sudden you've got like ooze like out of your hand or something. They're chopping off fingers next or something. I mean, it, it can get bad, right? Number four, uh, forgiving others is not always confronting them personally. You know, you don't have to for, uh, confront someone to forgive them. We're going to talk about that in a, in a moment. You know, it's not meaning that you, you've got to get to that point where you go to them and demand an apology. Forgiveness is not seeking revenge. It's not getting in their face. You know, as much as you want to. 
So what is it? And how in the world can we do it? Because, again, guys, if we are going to be the people of Jesus, if we really are going to be known as the church of love, and that's so much more than just something we say, it's got to be something we do, it's got to be something real, then, then how in the world do we do this? Because Jesus said that, that you're not going to be forgiven any more than your ability to forgive other people. So I want to look at a biblical process for forgiveness, but I want this to be real in your life today. So as we talk about this, I don't want this to be just an abstract intellectual uh, exercise. I want you to think about a person in your mind. In fact, some of you, I know the moment you came in today and you saw the sermon was on forgiveness, you were already thinking about somebody and some issue or something that happened in your past. But, but that's what I want you to do today, okay? So with that in mind, step number one, remember how much I've been forgiven. Remember how much I've been forgiven. We kind of talked about that a little bit with patience, right? Because you can't be patient with other people until you understand how much God has been patient with you. And the same is true in forgiveness. Because as human beings, I mean, we have this amazing capacity to forget. And we forget really quickly just how much God has completely, fully, freely forgiven us. Isaiah 118, we forget this. God says, come, let us talk this over, says the Lord. No matter how deep, listen to this, no matter how deep the stain of your sin. And some of you came in today, and that is the way you feel. You feel like there, there's nothing that, you know, that's great, Pastor Chris, you can talk about God and God's love, but there's nothing or no one who could ever take away what's happened to me and what I've done. Listen to this, no matter how deep the stain of your sin, God says, I can take it out and I can make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. Even if you are stained red as crimson, I can make you white as wool. Man, that's beautiful, that's amazing. But the deal is, we forget when that happens to us, we, we forget that. We forget how deeply we've been forgiven. And so we first gotta understand before we can forgive someone else, we got to remember how much God has forgiven us. We are the ones with the crimson stain on our soul. We were the ones with the, the stain so deep that we thought no one or no thing could ever remove it. And yet God came into our lives, if you're a follower of Jesus, right? And he forgave you completely, fully, and unconditionally. we got to get this down if we're ever going to be able to forgive other people. In fact, Jesus tells a story one time in Matthew chapter 18 about this king uh, who's owed a lot of money. And uh, the king decided it was time to call in all the debts that people owed him. And so he calls in this one guy uh, who owed him millions and millions of dollars. And so the guy comes before the king and he says, okay, you know, it's time for you to pay up. And the, the guy basically says, I don't have any money. And the king says, well, I'm going to have you, your wife, and all your children sold into slavery. And the guy just falls on his knees before the king, and he says, king, be merciful to me. Be patient. You know, I'll do my best. I'll pay it back. And Jesus, as he's telling the story, you know, everybody's expecting the king to, again, just to punish this guy and, you know, to kind of go on with the story. But Jesus says the king was filled with mercy, with pity, and he released him. And not only did he release him, but he forgave the entire debt. And he says, okay, don't worry. Don't worry about paying me back. It's all, you've been set free. 
Now, the story doesn't end there, though. Jesus continues to tell the story about the guy who was forgiven the, the whole debt, and he's walking in the community down the street, and he sees a guy who owes him money, just a, a couple of thousand dollars. And he goes up to that guy, and he grabs him by the throat, and he demands repayment. And, and the guy that owed him the, you know, the few thousand dollars, he falls down onto his knees, and he begs for, you know, uh, patience. And he says, hey, just be patient with me. I will pay it back. Well, the guy who was owed, you know, thousands by that guy throws him, his wife, his children into prison. So word gets back to the king. The king cannot believe it. And in Matthew 18, beginning in verse 32, it says, then the king called in the man he had forgiven. And he said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous amount because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man into prison until he paid every penny. Now, so the story ends, but then Jesus kind of pulls out of the story and he says this to everybody who's listening. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters in your heart. Now, again, I, you know, I don't think there's any uh, wiggle room here for misinterpretation. Like, I think Jesus is being really, really clear today. You know, do we have, do you have somebody in your mind that you need to forgive? Now, again, I bet from the moment we came in here today, you thought about somebody. And you probably even began to play the tape in your mind of how they hurt you. Maybe it was somebody who committed adultery. Maybe it was a spouse who hurt you. First service, after the service was over, you know, I had somebody come up to me and say it was a parent who molested them. Maybe it was a friend who betrayed you, stabbed you in the back. You see, what we're talking about today, this, this is real stuff. And even though it might be really, really painful as we, as we walk through this process, I want you to don't, don't let go of that. Personalize it today. Make it real. Step number two, release the person entirely. Wow. Release them. Now let's talk about that. What does that mean? It means to set them free. It means that you no longer hold on to the bitterness or to the resentment and you stop playing the tapes over in your mind of that incident whatever it was where they harmed you where they hurt you over and over and over in your mind and by the way that's got nothing to do with them that is all about you you see to release somebody means that you don't necessarily have to confront them you don't have to repair the relationship. You don't have to reconcile because releasing is all about you. Listen, you don't even have to be in a conversation with someone to release them. Chances are, for some of you, it's somebody who is 
dead and gone. But forgiveness is always a choice. Now here's the promise. When you make that choice, it will set you free. You see, a lot of you, instead of releasing that person, you're holding on to a grudge. You're holding on to that resentment. Somebody once said that holding on to bitterness or unforgiveness or a grudge in your heart is like you drinking the poison and hoping that the other person will get sick and die. I mean, it really does boil down to do you want to walk out of here in freedom today? You know, do you want to experience the joy that God wants to give you when you release somebody else? Then you've got to do it. Now, when you do that, what you are saying is, I'm giving up my rights for repayment. You know, when, when somebody hurts us, when somebody harms us, we think, and sometimes we act as though they're in debt to us because they hurt us and now they owe us. They've got to repay. They, they've got to make it right for, what, for the wrong that they've done. But when you release them, you're giving up your right for repayment. You, you're saying that person no longer owes me anything. You're also releasing your right to revenge. Because when someone hurts you, it's natural to, to want to hurt them back, isn't it? I mean, it just is. I mean, you want to have that conversation with them, don't you? Where you, you literally let them have it or worse. But when you release them, you're saying, no longer am I going to seek revenge. I think that's one, one of the reasons why people won't release the other person. But what they, what, what, what they don't understand and what they're not seeing is that it's not about them. Listen, revenge isn't your responsibility anyway. You could never, you know, you could never get justice. It's God's. Romans 12, 17 uh, says this, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Do things in such a way that everybody could see that you are what? You, you are honorable. Again, this is about you. Never pay back evil for evil. Do things in such a way that people will see that you are honorable. Dear friends, never avenge yourself. Leave that to God. For it is written, I will take vengeance. I will repay those who deserve it. I mean, when, when it comes to this issue of release, you're either going to release them or you're going to rehearse it over and over and over again for the rest of your life. And the choice is yours. Number three, recognize God's purpose in the process. Now, you can't do that, by the way, until you release someone. In other words, when you're holding a grudge, basically what you're doing, and you might not realize this yet, is you're really kind of separating yourself from God and his ability to speak to you, speak into your life. And when you release that person, not only are you releasing them, but it's as though you're opening up the communication between you and God. And now he can show you that there is even some good that he can bring out of your pain and out of your hurt. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that God causes everything to work together for good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, people quote that verse a lot. It's misunderstood a 
lot, but this verse says some very important things about God's purpose and our pain. First of all, this verse does not say that God causes all things or that all things are good. All things are not good. They're not. The Bible never says that. That hurt and that pain that you have experienced in your past, it's not good. It's bad. It's terrible. We live in a fallen, evil, broken world. That, that molestation that, that you have gone through in the past, it's not good. That abuse, that pain, it's not good. This verse doesn't say that all things are good. And, and, and if, if we don't get that, if we don't understand that, it becomes very tempting then to blame God. But if, but if you will release that person, God says, and I don't know how he does this, but I know that he does. He says, I can even miraculously bring good out of the bad that's happened into your life. And God has done that over and over and over again here at this church. Man, I, I look out into your faces and, and I see you guys and I think about your stories. Many of you are nothing more than walking, breathing miracles of forgiveness. You know, the, the first three steps here, by the way, are absolutely mandatory. Like you can't skip this. You can't skip these steps. But number four, it is conditional. In fact, you'll notice that in parentheses underneath it, it says, if, uh, or as much as possible. Step four is this, reestablish the relationship. Now, I want to be really, really clear today. Forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. You know, there are, there are times when you should not reconcile the relationship. There are times when you should not reestablish the relationship. For example, you know, don't reestablish the relationship if all that's going to mean to you and to others is more harm, additional pain. I mean, you, you were hurt, you were harmed by that person, and then you go and you, you reestablish the relationship, and it happens again. Don't do that. You know, don't, don't reestablish the relationship if you're going into it thinking that you're going to get an apology. You know, we, we, we go reestablish the relationship with, with this person who's done us wrong, and then we've got this huge movie in our mind of how we believe it's all going to play out, and they're going to fall on their knees, and, and they're going to beg for forgiveness and tell me how sorry they were. In other words, and then it never happens. And you relive that hurt and pain all over again. In other words, if you've got an agenda, that really means you've not released them yet. And so don't reestablish the relationship yet. But if you can, if it's possible, relationships are so important to God that he says reestablish the relationship. But if you can't, by the way, as followers of Jesus, we're still held accountable to acting good toward that person you believe that Romans 12 21 listen to this don't let evil get the best of who you me don't let evil get the best of you but conquer evil by doing evil to that person <laughs> it doesn't say that does it look at it. don't let evil get the best of you but conquer evil by doing what good, good. 
It means, what does that mean? Let me give you some suggestions. Well, it might mean you begin to change the way you think about that person. You start there. They might not ever know what's going on. They might not ever see it. But you're going to change. You're going to start acting in a good way toward that person by beginning by just thinking good thoughts about them. Maybe you're going to begin praying you know, to God about that person. Not that God would strike vengeance on them or, or go Old Testament prophet on them or send all ten plagues on them, but that, that maybe God might actually bless that person. Maybe, just maybe, you begin by looking, toward, looking for ways that you might act in a positive way toward that person. Here's one. This is very practical. You ready? Start, to, start here. Stop talking about it. Stop talking about them. Stop, you know, uh, talking about the situation. Now, biblically, it's okay not to go back relationally to the way things were. I mean, let's, let's make this really practical. Let's say this was a really good friend of yours, and, you know, they had an affair with your spouse. Chances are you're not going to go out for a date night with this person anymore, Okay. You know, you're not going to get together and play charades. That's not going to happen. You are not required to remain best buddies with this person. That's over. You know, reconciliation only if possible. But forgiveness, yes. Yeah, I'm going to share something with you. I don't know why, but I'm going to do it. Um, you know, I've been the pastor here you know, for 25 years. And uh, we've had a lot of situations over the years with, uh, you know, people of the church and, and with staff, by the way. A lot of staff has come and gone. And uh, most of you do not know this person, but I, so they've come long since left this church. But, uh, you know, I had a staff one time that was, uh, uh, it was brought to my attention, of, you know, a situation that was not good, not good for them, not good, you know, really for our, our ministry, for the church and uh, I confronted them about it, kind of went about it in what I thought was a, a biblical way. And, you know, and I, I asked this person, like, so what, you know, what are you expecting that I'm going to do with this information? What, where, where are we going to go from here? And their response was, well, I just expect, you know, that you're going to show me grace. <laughs> and I kind of went, well, okay, let's talk about that. You know, um, I think you've misunderstood what grace is. You know, Sure, I believe we're going to, I hope we're going to work toward reestablishing the relationship and we're going to pray for you and restore you and we're going to walk this, we're going to walk this out together. But that might not mean you get a paycheck from this church anymore. <laughs> um, that might not mean that you're employed here anymore. Like in other words, you know, forgiveness, yes. You know, reconciliation, not always, if possible. Like, guys, this is real stuff. This is practical stuff. You, we are always held accountable for forgiveness. But you don't need to feel guilt or shame because a relationship has not been restored. Look at Romans 12, 18. Do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as possible. I mean, this verse says some very interesting things. First of all, do your part, right? I mean, you can't force other people to release you, but you can release them. You can't force the other person to discover God's purpose in this pain, 
but you can do your part. You do your side of the equation. And then it says, as much as possible. You know what I think the Apostle Paul is being very upfront about there? Sometimes it's what? It's not possible. But you do your part as much as you can. Now, if it's not possible, then skip this step, and we've all got to move on to step number five. You ready for this? Repeat the process. Repeat the process. Have you ever actually read the directions of a shampoo bottle? It's kind of funny, isn't it? I mean, you read this. This is what it says. Wash, rinse, what? Repeat. Right. What, what a great, you know, what a great sales job there, right? Wash, rinse, repeat. Um, the process of forgiveness is the exact same way. Guys, we are going to go through this process of forgiveness for the rest of our lives again and again and again. You know, the person who came up to me after the first service, and, and, and it was just a few minutes we had a chance to talk, and he just said something about, you know, being molested as a child. And, and I said, man, that's why I said it, it never ends, does it? And he said, you're right. I got to go through that process over and over and over again. I've got to release them over and over and over again. And I know it's not about them. I know it's about me, but it's something that I got to keep doing. And I said, you're right, because we're on this side of eternity and we are becoming, I mean, by the way, and, and unless you lived a pretty sheltered life, You've got a lot more than one person in your life you probably need to forgive. we got a whole host of people. And then, unless you become Jesus overnight, my guess is there are going to be some more people in your future that you've got to forgive. You know, in Matthew 18, just before Jesus told that story about the guy who had been uh, you know, forgiven for the million-dollar debt and then got upset with a guy who owed him thousands, Peter comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, hey, how many times do we got to forgive somebody? By the way, when you ask that question, what are you probably thinking? There's somebody in your life you don't want to forgive, right? I mean, if you ask that question, you're ready for him to say, well, only twice, only three times. Well, now you need to know this, that in that day, the law actually said seven times. Seven times, that's it. Now, here's what Jesus said. This is how Jesus responded to Peter. No, Jesus replied, 70 times seven. Now, all you accountant OCD types, what did you already do in your head? You already calculated and figured it out. How many times? Say it. 490, and you're already doing the math in your head. Okay, I've been married for 17 years. That's, uh, you know, I mean, my spouse is already up at like 373. I mean, uh, maybe I'll give them like 325, you know, and you're, you're ready to keep score. Well, Jesus was, that's not what Jesus was saying. He was saying basically to Peter, okay, how many times should you forgive other people? Well, how many times do you want God to forgive you? That's the answer. I mean, what if, what if I went to God for forgiveness and I said, you know, God, I need your forgiveness for this. You know, and God basically looks down at me and says, Chris, 491. That's it. We're done. You know, it's over. You know, he doesn't do that, does he? Instead, you know what he does? Whenever I sincerely, humbly ask God for forgiveness, he forgives me every single time. So what about it? I mean, I know this is hard, but this, this is some of the strongest teaching in the Bible around this principle here, that our forgiveness, being forgiven, receiving the grace of God, is somehow linked 
to our willingness and our ability to forgive other people. Man, that's big. That's big. So today you got a choice. On one side of the equation, you could choose today to hold on to your grudges. You could choose to hold on to your desire to get even. You could, you could let bitterness just run wild in your life. And that is a choice that you could choose because God's not going to force you. It is up to you. But just know that if you do that, there are going to be, it is going to manifest itself in your life in some terribly unhealthy ways. Listen to Hebrews 12, 15. Watch out that no bitterness takes root among you. For as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. I mean, we all know what it causes. We could list them. High blood pressure, short temper, irritability, sleeplessness, depression, isolation, negative attitude. from withholding forgiveness. Or, we could choose to forgive and find freedom. We, we could experience peace with God, peace with other people, true health, joy, love. I mean, when you make that choice to forgive, you are saying, God, Take me to a higher level of living like Jesus lived. By the way, after Jesus, I mean, Jesus has the sin of the world on his shoulders. My, my sin, your sin. He has been beaten to a pulp. He has taken a beating the likes of which you and I could hardly fathom or comprehend. He, he has had railroad spikes driven into his, his wrist and into his feet. He has been suspended between heaven and earth on a cross that he had to carry. And he looks out onto his accusers, the people who have beat him, spitting on him, making fun of him, with your sin and my sin on his shoulders. And what does he say? Father, what? Forgive, Forgive them. And my challenge and your challenge is to be a little bit more like Jesus. Drop the grudges, drop the bitterness, and choose freedom. Listen, love can forgive. If we're going to be known as a church of love, if we're going to change this world one life at a time, we've got to be a place of forgiveness.